Welcome back to A Journey with Dante and our look at Dante's life and work and the Divine Comedy. And today we want to add some more uh, points and some more symbolism to the, f the third kind of last part of the Purgatory with the Garden of Eden, the earthly paradise. It might be one of the most complicated and, and deep allegorical parts of the whole trilogy. And it takes a while to kind of get into what it means in part because there are so many references that might be hard to grasp in the beginning as well. But we wanted to just give a little bit, uh, again, adding to the overview that these are six cantos at the end of the purgatory. And it happens right after the pilgrim is finished with the seven terraces and Virgil gives this big crowning speech that he has now taught the pilgrim everything he knows, like as rationality has kind of grown out to its fullest, uh, in its fullest form, and given the apparatus and the platform and the and the ability to go further into kind of the mysterious and the transcendent, with some way of discerning and having also like a threshold of consent and and starting a new journey after that. So, from these six chapters, you have the two in the middle are very important. So very often in Dante, there's a couple of things you might try to, to look for if something is a bit uh, unclear. And one is that often the center is very important. Like what is in the center of the purgatory is important. That is chapter, uh, the, sorry, Terrace 4 with, with um, uh, sloth, but it's also where he explains the whole thing with love and how love is the, the overall guiding map for the whole Purgatory Mountain and these three different categories of, of vices and the offsetting virtues. But that also makes love the th central theme of the whole trilogy, of the whole divine comedy in itself. So the center and the heart of the Garden of Eden is those two chapters with the revelation of scripture that is coming in with this pageant and meeting Beatrice. And that points to the other thing that is often very helpful to look for is what is being unified. Because this is something Dante is doing constantly, like in every canto and in so many different parts of the comedy. So th this is a very crucial point here that it points to his personal story as well. So he's unifying his love for Beatrice and his experience of the love of Beatrice as the portal into something much bigger, which is the divine love or the divinity in itself. So he's, he is uh, blending or merging or unifying the general revelation of the scripture as he sees it with his own personal experience of Beatrice. And that's why she's put in the middle of the pageant. You have like the Old Testament first, like the 24 elders that are the 24 books of the Old Testament or like the Hebrew uh, Bible, and then you have the middle with uh, the four creatures and the the chariot uh, in the middle, which is the church, and then the griffin in front, and then she is on the chariot, so she is in the middle, unifying this. Also meaning that she is kind of for Dante, she is the way into the bigger revelation, both his own and the bigger one. So that is one important or very at least it should be a helpful way to try to have an overview of what is happening in the Garden of Eden. So uh, there's also a couple of more things there. There's so, like when he sees her, he also looks into her eyes and then he sees the reflection of the griffin, which is the symbolic 
metaphor of the unity of the divine and the human. Or like in the Christ figure in itself is kind of symbolized in the griffin. So then she is on many levels here. She's the portal into the transcendent, into the mysterious, into the spiritual, into theology. And what he sees when he is focusing on theology or the portal into theology is the unity of the human and the divine. It's slightly a, a reference also to this, the dream with uh, the eagle and theosis and also the ending. So it all comes together here with also his own, his life with his personal portal with the person of Beatrice and then it leads to the general one. So that is, um, uh, yeah, hopefully that will give a little bit of a, uh, kind of a framework to understand one of the main themes there. So um, just want to say a couple of more things also about this part. Um, right before you get into the Garden of Eden, you have the dream with Leah and Rachel, which is the active and the contemplative life. Purgatory is very much the, con uh, sorry, the, it is the active life, kind of the, the practical earthly life, working on the vices and, and growing the virtues and then gradually getting kind of a clear view of, of the world and understanding yourself and, and human nature and finding a way to just improvement and self-fixing and a better life and experience of life. So that is Leah. And then Rachel is then the contemplative one, which is more symbol a symbol of the Paradiso and what comes later with the theology. So these two figures are also then, in many ways, Matelda and Beatrice in the Garden of Eden. So Matelda is in some ways the, the Leah figure, which is the active life. She's the one who pulls the pilgrim first through the river, kind of the, the, the baptizing part of the first river of Lethe. And then she's also the one who, at the end, brings the pilgrim and statues to the river of Juno and gives them, kind of make the, makes them uh, drink from this spring in the stream of Juno. So that is it's kind of foreshadowed again in this dream, the third dream he has about Lee and Rachel with Matella and Beatrice. And also in some sense, you can see it also at Purgatory as the active and then Paradiso as the contemplative, which... He makes the part again that this is unified. You need both parts. Um, but in some sense, the contemplative is the bigger one, but you also need the practical one, the active one with, with um, Matelda and the purgatory first. So um, two other small things about this. There is a bit of a, a mystery and enigma at the end of Garden of Eden. Uh, Beatrice is talking about, she's making a prophecy and she's using the number of 510 and 5. And it's still a mystery what it means. <laughs> so this is something to look into for everyone. <laughs> to just, uh, We will talk more about this later. Like so, Some different theories and some ideas what it could mean. But there is Dante has put a little enigma in there. As he does in the opening with this greyhound. Which is a little bit more... Um, the interpretation of that one is a little bit more... Um, it could be understood... As both this luck between Feltro and Feltro, it could mean both partly his um, patron, Can Grande de la Scala. It could also mean the comedy in itself, like between um, like what is inside of, of the book, of the comedy that might be helpful to, to um, yeah, at some point, at some level, create 
something that could help to mitigate and to change the situation with the three beasts and the categories of sin being so destructive. So, but uh, the, this 515 from uh, Beatrice is a bit more complicated. It has an obvious reference to like the number in the revelation of St. John, but still it's something to be to be worked on like also in the future. And then the last thing we wanted to say is just the ending is very nice in the Sinclair version because he, he stays with uh, the imagery of the plant at the very end. So in the original... You have this uh, novella, novelate, rinovelate. You have like three times this about the newness. And that also the pilgrim, after being through the terraces and the whole process of confession, breakdown, revelation, baptism, drinking from you now in the Garden of Eden, like the final stages of this ritual of purification, then he is like a new little plant in the original. In, for example, the Mark Musa, he talks more about like a tree in full bloom. But in Sinclair's version, he stays with this this young plant image. So he says, From the most holy waters I came forth again, remade even as new plants renewed with new leaves, pure and ready to mount to the stars. And it's important for at least two reasons. One is that it points back to the, the little plant, the reed in the second canto, when they pull up, pull up the reed and then uh, there's a miracle and then a new one immediately springs up after the first one. So that is now kind of the rebirth imagery from the very beginning at the shores. It's now repeated as now it has happened to the soul of the pilgrim. And also that a little plant is different than a, a tree in full bloom because the plant is a, is a young, in some sense, fragile little thing that has the potential to grow into something much bigger, which is the state of this newly purified soul that is with the pilgrim. So um, with that, uh, that was about 10 minutes. Uh, that was what we wanted to add now about the Garden of Eden. So hope some of this was helpful and uh, see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to A Journey with Dante. If you enjoyed some of this, you can listen to the other episodes or also go to our YouTube channel, which is called A Journey with Dante. And you can also support us and get extra materials at patreon.com slash ancientworld. Thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.